I hope you're all doing well. I hope uh, fall break was good to you. Some of you have been gone and glad you're back and others are gone. But you know what? That's the way it is. You know what I've found out when God really starts blessing people, they get to take opportunities to go off for a couple of days or a week. I'm glad for you all. It's those memories that you have with your children. You go to their ball games. It's very important. I'm not like a whole lot of pastors that say, uh, you're putting sports in front of, uh, of your kid, of, of church, but I believe it's very important that you support your children and that you're with them. It's a sad moment to me when parents and grandparents don't support their kids and uh, grandkids, and I, I just want to encourage upon that. It does not offend me. I think it's awesome. Go forward and all that. But before we start, I'd like to just uh, share a, a little funny thing about you. A pastor died, and he went into heaven, and he was standing in line in front of him was this guy, and he had on this loud T-shirt and sunglasses, and anyhow, he looked at him, and St. Peter said, what's your name? He said, Joe Corona. I'm a taxi cab driver from New York. Peter said, here's your golden staff and a silk robe. Next, the pastor is in line. He said, what's your name? He said, my pastor, my name is Pastor Jake White. I'm a pastor at St. Michael's Cathedral Church. And St. Peter said, here's your wooden staff and your cotton robe. He says, oh, 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 oh. hold on. What's going on here, St. Peter? I'm a pastor. He was a cab driver. St. Peter said, well, we reward on results. It said, when you preached, people slept. But when he drove, people prayed. <laughs> so, just want to kind of, just saying that this morning, okay? Just kind of saying, okay? Just, just want to say that to you. I want to share with you today, whatever you leave, you will lose. Whatever you leave, you will lose. I want to share with you just a principle today out of the Bible, and um, hopefully this sinks into your spirit and you get a hold of this because it's powerful, it can help you. You know, every, grand, every grandkid is very special to me. Uh, there is, I've actually connected with all my grandkids. There's a connection. Marsha has a connection with her grandkids. And uh, that's very important to me. Miles is the oldest boy, grandkid. And so one of the things that I do with Miles is that he likes to play basketball. It's his favorite sport. So I work on free throws with him. And, uh, you know, sometimes I forget he was a third or fourth grader and I'd get on him, but I'd really practice free throw for him. When I was coaching in high school, I really worked on our kids' free throws because I wanted to be the best shooting, free throw shooting team in the state of Indiana, 435 teams. We were always in the top 10 because I'd work on their form. You know, there's not, you know, having an ugly shot, a good shot, but a free throw, there's only two known ways to make free throws if you're a good free throw shooter. You may remember Kyle Macy, he had one way to shooting free throws. But there are other people that even Rick Barry actually was a great free throw shooter that shot underhanded. But the great, the number one way that people shoot free throws is Ben Cock. You bend your knees and 
raise the ball, cock your wrist. So it's called Ben Cock. So that's the, that's the way uh, I've been teaching Miles and drilling him. And I always say to him like this, hey, Miles, uh, you're at the final game of the regional. Step up and make one free throw. And so he would step up and honk. He didn't make it. I'd give him different scenarios. But we'd work on his form. One of the great things about phones now, you can just take a, a video. So Miles was starting to make 20 free throws in a row, 25 in a row. And so when he was really in great form, I would just video that. And then I may not see him for another week to practice with him. And, you know, he'd get back up there. And because he's a fourth grader now, he's still, he still gets his form off. And I said, Miles, you left what made you successful. You left your form. And so we'd sit down, look at my phone. I said, look where you position the ball. See how you raise your hand. See where the release point is at. And I would say to him, you left this. You left right here. This is where you left. And look where you're at. You've got to go back to this. Well, the Bible is very clear. We're, what we left, we lose something. You have to go back to that. I want to read to you out of Joel, the second chapter, 12 through 14. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn you to me with all your heart and fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Remember that, not your garments, but turn unto the Lord your God. Listen to this about God. He's gracious. He's merciful, slow to anger. And God has great kindness. And he repenteth him of, of the evil that he was going to do to you, or judgment. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind? You know, God may leave a blessing to you. And it's talking really like, almost like communion right there. So he says, I'm, the Lord may give you communion. You left him, but if you'll come back, the Lord will be kind to you. A lot of people don't get that. They don't understand that. They don't get a hold of this. I want you to hear this story right here in 2 Kings 8, 1 through 6. Then Elisha said unto the woman whose son he restored to life. Do you all remember the Shumite woman? The son died. Uh, this woman built a room on her house for Elisha. And because he, she built this house, said, what do you need or what do you want? Said, I'd like to have a son. I'd like to have a baby. Prayed for and she had a son. This son died and she ran after Elisha and Elisha came and raised him from the dead back to life. So time has elapsed now. This is his story continuing. Elisha is the prophet and here's what he says to this Shumite woman. Arise, you and your household, sojourn to a place you can't sojourn, so the Lord called for a famine. Elisha said, get out of here. There's going to be a famine here. And it came upon the land for seven years. The woman rose, did exactly what the prophet of God said, and she went with her household, sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And then it came to pass after the seven years, and what did she do? She had left her house she had left her land and came to pass in seven years that the woman returned. She left 
And to get back what she was going to get back, she had to return to what she left. She returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry. She went to the, she said, I'm come back, but what about my land? What about my house? And she goes to the king and listen to this. And the king talked with Gehazi. That was Elisha's helper, the servant of the man. Tell me, I pray thee, tell me about all the great things that Elisha did. Tell me, this woman says that God actually raised her son from the dead. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king, how he restored a dead body. That's true. This happened. Elisha actually brought this boy back, and this is this woman, and a, this woman built a house for this prophet, and whose son was restored to life, cried to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, this is her son, Elisha stored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. And so the king appointed unto her a certain officer. Here's what the king did. This is prophetic in a lot of ways because this represents Jesus. She's coming back to the Lord. She left, and now she's coming back to get what she lost. Every time you leave, you lose something. And the only way to get it back is to return where you left or what you left. And so when the king asked the woman, she said, can the, ping, the king appoint her a certain officer saying, listen to this, restore all, give her house back, give her land, and give her the money that we got for the fruit off of that land. Give her anything. God was unbelievably blessing this woman. I want you to see this as we go through this today. I'll not preach that long, but I want you to get this principle. To get back what you've lost, you've got to go back to what you left. Let me say it again. To get back what you've lost, you've got to go back to what you left. If you've left something, you got, if you, you, there was a loss, you got to go back there. If you leave something, when you leave something, you lose something. When you leave something, you lose something. I used to work for the state of Indiana. I was a school teacher there, pioneering a church. Guess what? When I left the state of Indiana, was not a teacher there anymore, I couldn't get any of the benefits, I couldn't get insurance, I didn't have any more retirement. And you know what? I left that, and when you leave a company, you lose all the benefits. When you leave something, you lose something. When you, this is talking about spiritual stuff now. When you leave something, you lose something. In the natural, you understand that, correct? How many understand that today? If you leave your company, you lose the benefits of the company. If Marcia would leave Central Baptist, she wouldn't have health insurance. And I wouldn't either. What she left, well, there will be a loss. If you leave the church, hello? If you leave the church, you lose the benefits of the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just think about this. You just go out into wild sin out here, just go crazy. You lose the covering of the church, the covering of the 
the, the pastor, the covering of the, the spouse, either one, man or woman, you lose that covering. If you leave the church, you lose the benefits. If you leave good eating habits, anybody? My wife is always trying to do that with me. You can lose your health. You ever saw that thing when they, uh, they took a one restaurant and they ate those hamburgers? Every month for one month, their blood pressure was out the roof. Their, oh, everything was out of whack. If you don't eat healthy, you can lose your health. So to get good health, you got to come back to get your health. you got to eat right. If you leave holiness, you're going to lose godliness. You leave it, you're going to experience a loss. If you lose your joy, you know what you got to do? You got to go back to worshiping God. Everything has a price. Everything, everybody say it with me. Everything has a price. If you leave something, you lose something. Think about this. If you leave the fear of God, you lose the smile of God upon your life. You lose that smile of the Lord. If you leave prayer, you will lost your power. If you leave your morals and you don't have any morals about you, then you will lose the connection with God. Sin separates. I want us to use the example of Samson. Samson was a, one of three guys, and he actually, um, he was very powerful. He could take on the Philistines. He was a guy that God had blessed. He was a Nazarite. A Nazarite makes a vow. And uh, that vow is this, that they can't get around dead people. They can't cut their hair. And they can't drink wine. That, those three things meant I'm keeping the valve. God says, and there was only three Nazarites. That was in the, in the whole Bible. But they made this vow, and Samson would just have this abnormal strength that he could take on all these men. It was like God would come upon him. And so we see that there was a weakness within Samson. The devil kept on probing and finally, and like all of us, like you and me, like all of us in this church, all of us have a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. So you, the devil kept on probing just like he probes you, and he found out it was women. And so finally he would go down and have all this big time with all these different women. He'd get into sin, but you know what? He still had that vow with God. But then there came along a woman that really began to probe him and vexes, vex him. And you know, you can always tell when it's the devil. It was day after day, moment after moment. You wake up with it, you go down with it. It's like when people are on drugs, it's just, this is all they can think about. When people are hooked on stuff, that's all. Their mind is just back every day, every day. There's no freedom of thought in their life. They're just underneath this vexing, back and forth, back and forth. And so, I'm going to read to you out of Judges 16, 16, 22. And it came to pass, when Delilah pressed him daily with her words, urged him that his soul was so vexed. You're just so tormented. You're so heavy 
When the devil, you know what? That's why you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. It works every time. The Bible says it. I believe it. I know it. That he told her all his heart. Finally, he broke down after being probed. He said, there's never been a razor in my head. I've been a Nazarite unto God since my mom's womb. I, I can't shave because if I shave, then my strength will go from me. I'll become weak. Do you make a vow to God? Do you say, God, this is what I'm going to do? I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. He said, if I give in and I break this vow, I'll become a very weak man. I'll be like any other person. You see, we're common people with the blessing of God upon us. Do you all understand this? You are common, average people every day. But you know what makes us special? It's the favor of God upon our life. We are blessed with the favor of God. Your children are blessed with the favor of God. Your grandchildren are blessed with the favor of God upon them. That's what makes us special. That's what you don't want to lose. You want to hold on to that. You want to know wherever you go, God is with you. God's hand is upon you. God speaks through you. God gives you inspirations. He allows you to do supernatural things more than average people. You may not have a better IQ. You may not have a better college degree. But I tell you one thing. When God's hand is upon you, it makes you very special. And when Delilah saw that he told her all her heart, she sent and called for what? Listen to this. More demons. More, more, more demons. Guys, come on. We got it. This is what happens. He says when he swept clean, the enemy goes out. But what does he do? He goes and tries to get more spirits to come back, defeat you more. So she called upon him. Hey, we've got him now. Let's go. Let's gang up on him. It's really a lot of gangs coming upon this man. For uh, this once, he showed me all his heart. The lords of the Philistines came unto her and brought money. She got money for this. She was a page. She was a harlot just to suck the life out of this man. And she made him sleep on her knees. And while he was asleep, playing with his hair, these guys come in and cut off the seven locks off his hair. This is a sad part right here, the story, because Samson didn't realize that when he got up, he didn't realize when he shook himself, that the power of God didn't come on him no more. You see, a lot of people think that they can be in sin and everything's okay. Nobody else knows about it. Nobody else knows about it. Just, just the Lord. But you know what? You don't know. You don't even, there's no daylight there. You just don't know when that, that power comes off of you. The hand comes off of you. You say, Gary, are you saying the hand of God comes off of us? We walk deliberately out from the hand of God. That's why you don't want to sin. That's why you hate sin. You want to do your level best every day. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to love you. I want your word inside of me. You're number one. You know what? So that's, that's us every day. And since she caused him to shave off the seven locks and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. He didn't realize it. 
Because when he woke up, he tried to shake himself. He didn't realize that the power of God had come off of him. And this is the blindness of sin. This is exactly where the devil wants us. And she said, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he woke. And I'll go out at other times and shake myself. And he wits not, he didn't understand, that the Lord had departed from him. Kind of a wild thing, isn't it? But the Philistines took him. And this is what the devil always does to people. When they leave, they lose. They took him and I, they took a little pick. And this is the way they used to do their eyes. They would gouge and just break the fluid in the eyeball. And so they took this little pick and they had him tied down, strapped down. The strongest man on earth, natural man, they took a little pick and popped his eyeball and allowed the fluid to run out and allowed the fluid to run out of him. He was totally, there's a consequences to things when we mess up. There's things that we can lose. We must understand things. We must be aware of stuff. When, I, when I'm up here preaching, more and more, the sermons and the things that God gives to me to share, I really do with a lot of tears and a lot of prayer. There's a lot of things I could begin to speak about. But I said, Lord, it's so important this day and time that we live. You know, it's sad when somebody's eyeballs get knocked out and the fluid runs out of them. And it says this. He put out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza. They bound him in fetters. And you know what he did? He grinded mill every day. He was just put to a post. And that post would actually turn and he would go in a circle like a horse. If you've ever seen molasses made, they stick the cane in between these two huge rollers. And there's a horse attached to that. And they make a circle just like this. He was there to grind the mill. They made fun of him. They brought him out for sport out into the Colosseum. But there was one thing that happened. But his hair began to grow back. God always gives you a way to come back. But I'm going to tell you something. To get from where you're blind, and here he is. He didn't realize that the power of God, he left it. He left his purity, and he had no power. Once he left his vow, and he said it out loud, and he told the devil what it was, and it was easily to cut off them seven locks, he lost his power. He couldn't shake himself no more and fight the Philistines. Because there was no power there. Because he left his purity and he lost his power. Samson was one who left his vows and lost his power. He left his, the word of God. He lost his presence. And what you lost, you'll have to go back to get what you left. And then finally one day, Samson woke up. He began to see what began to happen to him. And he told this little boy, he said he was in the Colosseum. It held about 3,000 Philistines or 3,000 people. He told this little boy, he said, where's the pillars at? And he said, right here, Samson, and right here. And he got a hold of those two pillars. And one good thing God gave him, he gave him the ability to come back. His vow, that, that shows how much God wants us to come back.
And he put him on those two pillars. And by the name of the Lord, he grabbed those two pillars and he pulled down the whole Colosseum. That day he killed over 3,000 Philistines and himself. But he killed more that day than any other day of his life. It's a sad story, but there is hope in that story. If you come back, you will get back. If you'll come back, you will get back. Think about this. If you lose your communication with your wife, you will lose. If you leave communication, you'll lose closeness. If you don't talk to people, you won't be close to people. You've got to communicate. If you leave, you lose. But you can recover what you lost. You can recover. Second Kings, the eighth chapter, that story, that woman, she left because of a famine. She left because of this famine, but she came back and she asked the king, can I have my house, my land back? No problem. Not only that, I'm going to bless you even more. I'm going to give you for what all the fruit was taken off of, all that money, we're going to give it to you and your family. The king is so gracious. The Lord is so gracious. To get back what you've lost, you have to go back to the king. You have to go back to the Lord. Listen to this. You can never make and be successful out of sin. You will never. Do not let that delusion ever get with you. You think, well, I've only got one bad thing wrong with me. I, I have this thing that nobody else knows about. I, I can function my wife doesn't know, my husband doesn't know, my kids don't know, the church don't know, the pastor don't know. But I'm going to tell you, you'll never be successful when you try to make sin a successful thing in your life. Sin will never produce success in your life. It will produce failure over and over and over again. You can begin to see, let your eyes begin to be open. To get back what you lost, you got to go to the king. I want, listen to this, people want what they lost, but they don't want to come back to what they left. They want the house. They want the cars. But just remember something, I say this all the time, stuff is not enough. Stuff is never enough. Can you say amen to that? Stuff is never enough. There's not enough stuff to keep you happy. It's not, I've seen people have everything, but they make these bad decisions. They get flattered by some woman. They get flattered by some man. They get going in some area. And then all of a sudden, their life blows up. And all that stuff, it ain't enough. It's always, it's never enough. I'm going to tell you what only satisfies us. It's the Lord. He is the one who will satisfy us. And I'm telling you what, I'm so thankful today for the Lord Jesus. He's the only one who can satisfy us off. Can everybody say amen to that today? Let's give the Lord a good hand for that. Come on. You know, there's a curse for lukewarmness. There's a, a curse of lukewarmness. When you get lukewarm, you lose your drive. I was... Uh, thinking about this scripture, and uh, I, I didn't write it down. Guys, if you'll turn there uh, to second, Revelation 2, sorry, it's my bad. The guys, it, didn't, it wasn't their fault. Revelation 2, 
I want to I want to share show you something here. Revelation two. I think this is it. Nope, not it. Revelation two, four and five. Could you put that up there for me on the screen? Revelation two, four and five. Listen to this. I love this wording. Nevertheless, this is Jesus talking. I have somewhat against these. Listen to what he says. You've left your first love. You've left it. What you leave, you will lose. You lost. He's left their first love. And there's going to be a great loss right there. What is the loss? He says, if you don't repent, I'm going to pull your candlestick. Do you know what that is? That means that God's judgment, their people just have all the lights go out. They don't know where they're ever at. I'll never forget. I went to this dog trial out in uh, North Carolina. And so this man was so gracious. He insisted, Gary, I have a basement. And you and your friend can stay there. And I got two beds. You can take one. He can take the other. Okay. So we go down there. We get all the room all ready and everything like that. Let me tell you something. I didn't realize the power of light. I didn't have my phone, you know, like what we is some time ago where you can have light on your phone. But I had to go to the bathroom. I'm going to tell you something. When you wake up and you, there's no light, it's completely dark. There's no light in the basement. And I'm, walk, I'm hitting walls. I try to find the bathroom. And I was thinking, if I don't find this, it ain't going to be good here. And so I hollered out to the guy. I said, Dodie, wake up. Get, woo, woo. I said, wake up. I'm lost. I can't see. And something's not going to happen good if I can't find a bathroom here very quick. Because I've been hitting my head for the last 15 minutes on every daggone concrete wall in this place. I go like this. Oh, surely this is door. That wasn't it either. I went over the door. I don't know how I missed it. But I want to tell you what, it was a huge basement and just fumbling around. You know what? When God pulls, when we lose our first love and the lights go out, you can't even see and you can try to grope everything you want to grope. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know what's happening. I, I don't even know where I'm at. And you know what? This happens spiritually to people all the time. Listen, don't lose your first love. I'll never forget when I got saved, I wanted to shake hands with the trees, the birds, everything in the whole wide world. I was so happy. I mean, I called up my wife, which is my girlfriend, Marsha. I said, I got saved last night. And she started crying. And her dad yelled, is that that brown boy? I could hear it on one of those landlines. Is that that brown boy? Yeah. Hang up on him. Dad, he got saved. I could hear him in the background. I bet he did. <laughs> I bet he did. I did, Ned. I really got saved. I got saved. I was so happy. I mean, here I was. I got born again. I mean, I was, oh, here I go. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm called into the ministry. Oh, my gosh. All this in 48 hours. I preached at the Derby. We preached. 
You know, back then, there was a thing, some of you younger people don't know this, but we used to streak. And there were songs about the guy that was streaking, you know? And I, we just preached on the streets. I, I'm not ashamed to say I used to preach on the streets. I was a young kid. I went to the Derby infield. Over 100,000 people. They can't get away from you. We sit out there and we just start preaching on the infield of the Derby. People go by and look at you. And I just say, man, you got to ask the Lord in your life. Jesus needs to save you before it's too late. You know, you prepare for a 30-minute sermon and you can speak three minutes. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of problems that you have. But you know what? I was born again. I was saved. I was happy. I had my first love. But then I went to a party. I saw people all around there. And I backslid for six months. I went to drinking. I went to partying. I was in a party one night. I was in, in school. And I'll never forget. I thought, I wonder if the Lord's still with me. And uh, thank you right there. I like that. And so I'll never forget. I just said, Lord, if you'll have me back, I'm coming back. And I'll never forget. I just dropped that beer. I just walked out of there, got in my vehicle, and I never turned my back ever again on the Lord. You know what? I love that first love. You know, we used to have a guy in church over at Grace. His name was Georgian. And he'd have this song about first love. And I listen to it still sometimes going down the road. And I just thank God, thank you for a fresh new love. Thank you for that new love, first love. It's no secondary love. I don't love this stuff. I love you. I thank you for it. But God, thank you for your love that you've given to me. Thank you that it's brand new. It's fresh in my heart. I mean, even today at my age, I still feel the power of the first love, not no second love. You don't have to have seconds with the Lord. You can have first with God. He wants to give you his best. Can you say amen to that? I mean that. You know what? When a business person starts losing sales, they say, what do we start doing different? Well, how come our business is going down? Well, maybe we start doing something. So they gather people around. They start saying, what happened here? What happened here? Why, why are we losing our business? And so people say, you know what? We're probably not putting the customer first. We're probably putting profits before our customers. And so we need to go back and have really great customer service. So they research what they've done wrong. This is what businesses do. They realize when their sales go down, they've left something off. And because they left it, they're losing Business people do this all the time when I'm talking about this same principle. If you leave it, you lose it. I want to give you another story found in the Bible, Luke 15, 11 through 18. He said, this man had a certain two sons. The younger said to the father, give me my portion that followeth to me. Give me my half. And he divided it unto them that's living. And not many days young, uh, after the younger son gathered all together, he took a journey. He said, I need to get away from dad. Went to a far country, and he wasted all of his money upon women, parties, and etc. And he was just thinking, you know what? I left the father. He spent all his money, but when he spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to want. 
and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country or went to go to a farmer and he helped him feed his pigs. And he would have faint, but he, felt he would have died because of starvation, but his belly ate the husk that the pigs didn't eat. That was what his diet was. No man gave unto him. He was out there. I was watching. Marsha went to Haiti. She said, Gary, you do not understand until you go there that you see these little children. They go to the dump, and they begin to tear apart just to find a shred of clothing, to find something to eat what other people have actually threw away. I was just thinking that thought and turned on the thing and there was an advertisement for Haiti. And these little kids were just running when a new truck would come up and dump out the garbage. They would just try to find something. They'd have a stick and they'd be going through it just to find a little piece of food and put it in their mouth. It's so sad. But you know what? This is what this guy was. He left the father. He left a, a great setting. His dad provided. He was a wealthy man. And guess what? He's over here eating with the pigs. He left the father. Now he's losing. And this is what happens over and over and over again. And then he said he came to himself. And I want to say this to you, and I want everybody to hear this with me. People get a stupor on them. It's like... A dullness becomes over them. The, the Bible uses this word dullness, that they haven't had the word of God. There's a dullness that comes. There's a stupor that comes over people. And you know what? You can talk to them all you want to talk to them. They won't listen. They will not listen to you. And so you know what? God's got to break that. They got to get where they hit the bottom, and then they got to begin to come up. Like Tay Henderson tells me, jail's not a bad place for a lot of people. Because they've got to hit the bottom. Sometimes people don't let them hit the bottom. It's an artificial bottom for them. Sometimes when people are falling, they think they're flying. They think they're out here sailing, but they're really falling. And so this guy's falling. He came to him and said, why am I in this pig pen? I could go back to God. I could go back to my father. And guess what? I can have a good meal tonight. And you know what? He left and he lost. Just like the prodigal son, we all need to come back. One of the, one of the saddest stories in sports history is Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was a freak basketball player. He played for the 76ers. You know what? When he signed his contract for millions and millions of dollars, and he made millions and millions, Allen could never, ever say to anybody else, there was no savings, there was no, he would take his whole family and take all the friends around. He spent all of his wealth, and when he went and in court, I watched this 30-30 this, uh, on him. When he got to court, he said even to his wife, he says, I don't even have a penny to give you, you'll have to put me in prison. I have no money left. I'd spent all of it. I'd spent it all on these houses and threw everything away. All these people around me, they used me, they abused me, and then they threw me in the ditch. I have nothing left. You know, one that's a very sad story that happened to some guy that we could sit around and watch and enjoy play basketball. But here he is. He don't even have enough money to even get himself, bail himself out of jail. 
you know what? You just never thought, just never thought that you'd ever get in that position. People don't think they'll ever get in that position. And it may take a while. It may take a while. It may take two years. It may take three years. But when people are on a downward trend, they don't even realize it. Some people think they, they leave the farm and they still get the crops. They think, I should get that, but I left, but I still should get the, I should get the crops. You have to keep losing until you return to what you left. Sad to say today, the church has left Acts 2. And one day they're going to realize when they wake up, there's many people that I know, not just one, but many people have lost and left Acts 2. And one day they're going to wake up and they're going to realize they lost the power. When you walk in this church, there may be a day, hopefully it's never. Gary, I've been told some bad news. Gary, this happened to me. Gary, I may lose my job. Gary, I, I may have lost all my retirement. Gary, my daughter, it's not good with her. Gary, my son, it's not good with him. I'm going to tell you something. As long as I'm pastor and I pray that the foundations and you're all the foundation part, that we will always keep Acts 2 in this church. What I mean by that, that the power of the Holy Spirit will always be here to break things off of your life. You know what? We're no-name people, but we are an average people with a supernatural God, with a supernatural power that can deliver us out of everything and anything, break drugs off our life alcohol off our life, every sin off of our life. You've got to have the power. But the Acts 2, we leave and we're embarrassed of it because we get too refined. God got upset when they took a census and they began to count the people. Oh, we're so powerful now. Our bank account's so powerful, we... We've counted the people, and God said, better not be doing that. You know what? Don't be counting on the arm of flesh. Don't be counting on your bankroll. Don't be counting on people out here. You've got to account for me. You just worry about this right here. You just keep this thing going right here. Don't ever leave this because all this other stuff will take care of itself. You preach the word of God, don't worry, the pews will be filled. Don't worry when we begin to worship and true worship, don't worry, the pews will be filled. That'll take care of all of itself. We just need to worship God, preach the word, pray for people that are in need. Tell them the good news. Can everybody say amen to that? Come on, stand up and give the Lord a good hand right there. Give him a good hand, just thank him for that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all may be seated. Just got a couple things I want you to stretch because I'm, I'm about through here. David lost the Ark of the Covenant. This is an interesting thing. When David lost the Ark of the Covenant, it represented the presence of God. And when he lost that, listen to this. He never wrote a song. 
He never wrote a song during those 18 months that the Ark of the Covenant, remember, they were not carrying the Ark of the Covenant right. The oxen stumbled. They put their hands on the Ark, and God told them, don't do it this way. But you know what? They were smarter than God, and they put their hands upon it, and people died. And they got really fearful, and so they took the ark right where it was at, and they put it in a guy's house. His name was Obed-Edom. And all of a sudden, the power of God and the presence of God, they begin, they begin to bless that house because the presence of the Lord was there. And David said, you know what? I don't even have any songs. I got to go get the ark. We're going to bring it here, and we're going to bring it in here right. You know what? That's a good thing about God. And he let him go get it. And you know what? He started writing songs again. I want to read this scripture to you found in 2 Samuel 6 verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord in all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps, psalmistries, temples, cornets, and on cymbals. David really loved that Ark of the Covenant. There was an interesting thing, and I'm almost ready to close, and I'm serious. There was an interesting thing. It says, you find this in Micah, then you find it in the book of Acts. It says, in the latter days, I will restore the tabernacle of David. David, for 20 years, this happened for 2-0 in the Old Testament. It was a, really a picture of grace. This is why, you know what, preaching out of the Old Testament, that's what Paul preached out of. He used all those examples, and he wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and half the New Testament. But they preached all this, and so there was this tent. They put the Ark of the Covenant in it, and for the only time in Old Testament history, they could worship, they, they could go around the tent 24 hours a day. They could go in where the presence of the Lord was for 20 years, day and night. Listen to this, day and night. Music was going on and singing. It was a unique time. It was really signifying to us the age of grace. Grace was coming. It's really unbelievable, and you can check me out on this. He says, in these latter days, I will restore the tabernacle of David. What he's saying is people will begin to understand that as they worship me and praise me, that, you know what, my presence will be there. We're right now in the age of grace. We can enjoy the presence of the Lord. I just think of this morning, I could just sense the Lord. I sense the Lord when we worship. I really do. I, I sense the Lord in the music. There's just, you, you, there's a spirit of it in it. I can, I've been a pastor a long time. I can sense, you just sense it. You just know it. It's like a sixth sense. And I, I've been sharing this, and I'm not ashamed to share this. But at night, the Lord really just comes. I can feel his presence right in bed where I'm at. And he meets with me. And really, I cry a lot. Just really broken. But it's so good just to have the presence of the Lord upon you. Just to be able to experience God. And uh, just come there. Man, time evaporates. Let's be listening to worship music. Put my earplugs in, and Marcia says, hey, when God comes in here tonight, would you pray for me? She kind of jokes a little bit about it, but it's, it's something 
I cherish. I cherish, I cherish those moments with the presence of God. And I'm just saying, Lord, visit our church. Stay with us. Listen to me. You've got to tend to the presence of the Lord. I don't know if any of you have ever, ever had a wood stove and had to rely upon it to heat your house. But in our early years, we had a wood stove and we had to rely upon it. There is a term when people use a wood stove, they say, bank, let's bank the fire. They call it banking, at least where I grew up. You bank the fire. What you would do, you would let the fire grow down. Before you went to bed, you went in and you filled wood up for that whole night. And you would crack the air just a little bit and all night long, that stove, we had a fissure. There was buck stoves and we had a fissure and you could cook on it and we would bank that fire and you wouldn't have to get up in the middle of the night. But you had to know how to tend to that, fire, that stove and there is a tending to the Holy Spirit. He can be offended. He does, you know what, it's not about having fun and laughter, but there's things that just drives the Holy Spirit away. Pastors don't allow for the Holy Spirit to move in the altar service or, or somebody, you just want two songs, you only want one song, you cut stuff off. You know what, instead of tending to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, that the Holy Spirit's God. I think there's some tending to some things. He is a guest that we invite in here. He is the Holy Spirit. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the Spirit of God that's been turned loose. And some people don't catch this. You know, if you're dry, you've lost your joy because you left praise. Be a praiser at the house. Turn on worship music. I'm not a great singer, but I love to listen to great worship. And I do. And what I find is that the presence of the Lord comes and visits me. You say, Gary, is God with, I feel like God's with me all the time, but there are, through the course of human beings, today I stilled my mind and was on the front row. I could sense the Lord here. I could sense it here as we was worshiping. I sense it when God moves in. I sense it when I'm praying for people at times. I can just sense the Lord or give somebody a scripture or pray for them or encourage them. I sense God coming. Uh, Carrie, would y'all come on up? I'm glad for everyone just to listen to us today. And I pray for you, for whatever you left, or whatever you left, you'll go back to. God will restore unto you. And I'm glad that you watched us on the broadcast today. Watch us every day. We give out Monday through Friday a five-minute deal just for devotion. You can just go on Journey on Leestown. And we uh, do a take five, just a small devotion. So I love you. I'm glad you're with us today in Jesus' name.